You're listening to ReachMD. This episode of Living Room, titled Increasing Inclusivity in the Workforce, a look at diversity in rheumatology, is sponsored by Novartis U.S. Clinical Development and Medical Affairs. The host and speakers have been compensated for their time. This program is intended for healthcare professionals. Here's your host, Dr. Anisha Dua. A recent data analysis indicates that not only are we facing a shortage of rheumatologists, but also that our workforce does not reflect the demographic of our patients. This obstacle, together with the shortage, provides an opportunity to cast a broader net to help make our workforce more diverse and inclusive. This is ReachMD, and I'm Dr. Anisha Dua. Joining me to discuss diversity and inclusion in the rheumatology workforce are Drs. Grace Wright and Dr. Irene Blanco. Dr. Wright is a consultant rheumatologist in New York City and president of the Association of Women in Rheumatology. Aware, Dr. Wright, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. And Dr. Blanco is a professor and associate dean for diversity enhancement in the Department of Medicine at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine. Dr. Blanco, thank you as well for being here today. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. So, Dr. Blanco, let's level set our current understanding of the rheumatology workforce. Based on your experience, how diverse or representative really is it? So the rheumatology workforce is not incredibly diverse. And I think that's just honestly representative of the entire medical workforce. So for example, most physicians come from the top socioeconomic brackets of the United States. And in general, while rheumatology is gender skewed much more towards women, so we see many more women within the overall workforce. We do see that in positions of leadership, it's predominantly men. And then subsequently, women often are on clinician educator tracks, which are incredibly important because we're teaching the new generation, right, of rheumatologists. But those tracks often don't lead to positions in administration, don't lead to division chief positions, et cetera, and are often lower paying positions and positions where you may potentially not necessarily are able to segue into broader leadership across rheumatology. And we see this as well, Dr. Blanco, across many industries. It's called that middle management fall off, that cliff, so that you can rise from entry to sort of junior right to middle. And then suddenly what I call it is women rise, they stop, and then they drop. And so that the leadership line is really taken over by the male colleagues. And this is something that we see across multiple, but particularly in medicine and especially in rheumatology. Yeah, that's disturbing, but true. So with that in mind, Dr. Wright, what are some of the barriers you think to diversifying the workforce that are impacting this representation in rheumatology? Yeah, so when we start off with a skewed representation, then you need more than mentorship. You need sponsorship. You need people who are going to be at the top pulling people through, not just telling them how to be better, but opening the doors, holding their hands and walking through. So the fewer of whoever the underrepresented group is, whether we're looking at a gender, race, whatever that is, the fewer there are, the harder it is to get sponsorship. But that's what sponsorship is. And then the idea that implicit bias being pulled through here again, women have been told from they were little girls all along that they're lesser, that they're not 
as good at science, that they're not as good at leaders, that they should bow to. And so in many situations, we disincentivize women to really go for that leadership. We have to stop telling our young women that they don't qualify, so they shouldn't apply. They qualify and they should apply, and we should help them get those qualifications and move forward. You know, and there's various groups in rheumatology that face so much bias and discrimination. So, you know, Dr. Wright just brought up women, but also we see a lot of foreign medical grads in rheumatology. We have a lot of workforce shortages, and it's a way for us to bring in new fellows um, to really train and incorporate FMGs into our practice. But so many of them have horror stories, right? Whether it's bias from patients, you know, saying, well, do you even speak English? I don't want this foreign doctor, etc. Or sometimes being held pretty much hostage in their training situations because of visa requirements, et cetera, and with threats of even deportation. I mean, my program does take a lot of foreign medical grads, and I've heard horror stories from my trainees on situations that they've faced throughout their training by the time they get to me. Absolutely. And then something that is disquieting to my soul is that these foreign trained fellows or trainees are actually the ones who are more likely to resemble the very patients that we're trying to pull in in a diverse and inclusive manner. And so if we can't even empathize and connect with our colleagues who are more like us than dissimilar, just based on a variety of touch points, how then do we extend that to our patients? So we can't really speak out of both sides of our mouth. You know, we can't say there's diversity and inclusivity that we want for the patients, but not for our coworkers. And I think these are things that we have to face within medicine, within rheumatology. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not just the attitudes, it's this entire infrastructure you're talking about that we really need to sort of dismantle and figure out better ways to deal with. What sort of outside of the issue, what do you think if we could fix a lot of these problems and barriers trying to integrate international medical graduates and a more diverse sort of workforce period into rheumatology training? Dr. Blanco, what do you think that impact would be if we could diversify this workforce? How do you think that would impact patient outcomes? Well, I think diversity in the workforce is often linked to health equity. And I think that, you know, when you bring in physicians from diverse populations, you're in essence bringing the voice of said populations into now the upper echelons, right, into the rooms where decisions are made. And I think that, you know, as we then diversify our workforce, it's going to open up a lot of perspectives on the pathways and how patients view sort of medicine and understand treatments, etc. You know, for example, translation services, right? We're starting to use more iPads, etc. Because translate, if you just use the phone, the translator of the phone can't really translate tone, can't translate demeanor, can't really translate all the things that you are seeing in the clinical encounter. Oftentimes things get missed, colloquialisms and then different expressions. So if you start to bring in physicians from different populations, you're going to pick up a lot more nuance and probably have a lot more engagement where the patients just feel like they can relate relax because they have a doctor that really gets them on a different level. And when we think about the impact on the 
person's outcome, we find that when there is better concordance, whether that is through cultural humility or, in fact, there is a concordance between the cultures, whether it's, you know, black to black, people of color to people of color, it really doesn't matter. One study actually showed that black men who saw black health care providers did more of the preventative health measures. So it means that the health of the community was augmented because we had better cultural concordance. So this is something that we can feed into our interaction so that there's a greater alliance between the healthcare system, patients, and their wellness. And I always go back to say the definition of health equity implies that we set a standard, we provide an effort or an action in order to achieve an outcome that is equity. So if we want our patients to do the work of wellness, we really have to build in all of this in there so that they can do that heavy work for a future gain, not a gain that they may feel today, but in 10 or 20 years. It's an investment in health. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we've touched on the importance of trying to diversify the workforce, you know, where we stand right now, and how that would really truly impact patient outcomes. And not only just the trainees that we're trying to work with, but also patients in a very real and tangible way. So let's talk a little bit about how we can try to overcome some of these barriers we're talking about. Dr. Wright, what are some ways that you can think of that we might be able to improve diversity and inclusion in our rheumatology workforce so that we can move towards some of these better outcomes that we just touched on. Yeah, we've got to create a pipeline, right? And the pipeline starts before college. It starts before high school because that child in middle school has to be told that, yeah, you can do science, you can learn biology and chemistry and pull them all the way through. The same way that we have programs that mentor young children all the way through into business or engineering or other things, we should really invest in that starting in our very early education. So get kids into science, get them excited about healthcare as a positive thing. Health is not just about being sick. Health is actually about being well in spite of the various hurdles that we have. So, you know, once they get to medical school, that's not the end of the journey. Just being a medical student in and of itself is extremely expensive. All of the tools that you'll need to study for step one, step two, applications to residency. Right now, because of COVID, we're not traveling as much. But once we start actually doing in-person residency applications, how will students from poor socioeconomic status fly out to the different programs, get hotel? hotel rooms, get a new suit, etc. We really need to think about that entire pathway. You know, how are we treating our black and brown students? What biases are they facing, right? And think about then not through medical school, but through the entire path, right, into senior positions of leadership. Yes, yeah, so we really do need these corporate educational partnerships. We need to fund these core strategies because money doesn't come out of thin air. And, you know, we can't just sort of glibly say it's okay to get into debt. It's not okay for many of these students to assume debt. And the other thing, as you mentioned, Dr. Blanco, is that we mentor these young students all the way through. But remember that if you're coming from a majority population, mentoring somebody from an underrepresented population it may look very different for that group of people. And so there's no one way to mentor. And it's not about me mentoring according to the style that is comfortable for me. It's me mentoring in a style that helps my mentee. 
it's about them, not about me. And so we have to start to be really culturally responsive to understand the things and the areas that will be important to all of our students. And, you know, there's training for this. And so we can actually train and mentor our mentors so that they can become better mentors. The Center for Improvement of Mentoring Experiences and Research, it's more tailored to PhDs and postdocs, but it's an enormous resource out of the University of Wisconsin that can really help teach mentors how to be better mentors. And for us to start bringing programs such as those into MD and more clinical tracks, I think will really help in order to create that mentoring and that sponsorship that these trainees are going to need to succeed. Absolutely, because it's about understanding the value systems of that culture and then using that to improve our mentorship. Absolutely. I think you guys have done such a clear job of explaining sort of all of the different levels and layers of barriers that folks face in becoming rheumatologists, right? Like us talking today. And so how do they get here? It is a really layered path with a lot of barriers. And I think at least we've started to discuss some ways we can try to offload that, get people connected with the health system early, understand that these are opportunities that they actually can pursue, they deserve to pursue, and then not only just mentor them, but sponsor them all the way through to try to get them where they need to be. So before we close, any final thoughts from either of you, Dr. Blanco, any takeaway messages for our audience? I think the biggest takeaway on my part is to really think about your applicants, your trainees, your colleagues more holistically. Take a chance. Really think about the characteristics that these people bring to the table and realize just how your patients may be desperate for those characteristics to be seen in their providers, right? It's not just about metrics and board scores. Like really think about who these people are and how they're going to enrich your environment. Wonderful. Dr. Wright, any final takeaway messages from you? Well, I'll leave us with a food metaphor. A salad with only one fruit is actually not a salad. It's just a fruit that's been cut up. So diversity brings richness. And if we appreciate the richness of a diverse population in our patients and in our students, then it enhances all of us. So it's not just, as Dr. Blanco said, check in a box. It's really including everybody so that all of us benefit from a richer experience. That's wonderful. You've inspired me and made me hungry. It's a great way to round out our discussion here on this topic. I really want to thank my guests here for helping us better understand diversity and inclusion in the rheumatology workforce. Dr. Wright, Dr. Blanco, it was really a pleasure speaking with both of you today. Pleasure to be here. Thanks so much. This industry podcast was sponsored by Novartis U.S. Clinical Development and Medical Affairs. If you missed any part of this discussion or to find others in the series, visit reachmd.com slash living room. This is ReachMD. Be part of the knowledge.